the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast with your host, Brian Briscoe. In this podcast, we bring some of the top professionals in the apartment investing field to discuss various aspects of the apartment investing journey with the sole purpose of educating listeners to make wise investment decisions. The Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast is sponsored by Four Oaks Capital, bringing you high yield returns through apartment complex investing. This is journal entry number 127 and part of our multifamily brief series. And today we're going to talk about contract to close. Once again, this is Brian Briscoe with Four Oaks Capital. And a couple of days ago, I was on a call with an amazing couple and they mentioned that there were a whole lot of content dedicated to finding deals and raising money, but there's very few people that talk about what happens once you get a property under contract. Now, I've actually heard several people finally get a signed contract after months and months of work only to say, great, now what? So Brett and Megan, this one's for you. Now, of course, I like to keep these brief, hence multifamily brief. So I'm just going to hit the wave tops and give everybody a few things to consider. Now, one word of caution here, you do need to make sure that certain things are written into the contract, such as what documents are expected for due diligence, access to the property, and etc. before you can do a lot of things that I'm actually going to talk about here. And I'll try to make a note of those things as we go through. Now, there are a few big things that you need to get done. And number one, first and foremost, is you have to be able to bring the purchase price to the table at closing. Other than that, you need to do some due diligence and bringing that purchase price to the table at closing includes obtaining financing and raising money. And you need to get through the closing process. Now, talking about this, I've heard a lot of people say that you should delay spending money as long as possible in the process. Now, from a certain point of view, that's not a bad idea. Every dollar spent before closing is at risk. If you don't close, that money is lost. And if you can front load certain items that have a higher likelihood of finding something that's a deal breaker, then you could potentially save yourself a little bit money if things do go south. However, if you choose to abide by that philosophy, make sure you understand all of the timelines involved so you don't find yourself in a pinch at the end of the contract period. Now, one more thing worth mentioning, and before I start with the list, no two closings are identical. There always seems to be a hitch or a snag somewhere in the process, and you never know beforehand what it will be. And this is something when I do all of my first deal episodes that I ask each and every person about. And like I said, there's a lot of different things that could potentially delay the process. So give yourself adequate time to account for these little snags and hitches that might come up. And if this means spend some of that risk capital money sooner, then spend it. And one thing from our personal experience that you don't want to necessarily unnecessarily delay is the loan application. It comes with quite a hefty price tag, but that's the one single thing in the whole process that takes the longest and is the most complicated. So now I'm going to go through the general steps of contract to close. And incidentally, once again, this is a very short podcast episode. I can't completely give every single step in the amount of time allotted. So the first thing we're going to talk about is due diligence on the property. This is typically one of the first things you're going to do. When you negotiated the purchase and sale agreement, you should have put a list of financial and legal documents in there for you to actually review through the process. Now, talking about the do I spend money or do I delay, the document review part of due diligence can be done without spending a lot of money. You, from your laptop or computer at in, your, in the privacy of your own home, can go through a lot of these documents. You can do a financial audit, track the money, make sure the bank account balances match the statements. Anyway, without going into a whole lot of detail, one part of the due diligence is to review all of the documents that come from the seller. 
Now, typically, a lot of people will say this is like the phase two of due diligence. It doesn't necessarily have to be done first or second. But if you are trying to delay the spending of money, do the physical walkthrough after you review the documents. But always beware, you are on a timer when you're doing the due diligence. And there's a lot of things in the, due, in the physical due diligence process that are going to take time. For example, you are going to want to have contractors out there to do estimates of work to confirm your underwriting assumptions. And it takes time to schedule some contractors, so it may take you several days to get a contractor out on site. And then once the contractor comes and reviews the, the condition of the property, it may take them several days to be able to get you a cost estimate for it. So if this is something you want to get done during the due diligence period, if you have a contingency for it in the contract and you want to get this all done during that due diligence period, unnecessary delays can put a damper on that. So start immediately. Schedule the due diligence appointments, schedule the contractors, get everybody at the property and, and run through the, the property together. Now, another thing you want to do while you're out on site, and if, if it's something you have to travel for, plan extra time for this. Review the comps. You know, Make sure that you can hit the rent projections that you have on your performa. And the best way to do this is to go to the apartment's down the street, across the street, you know, down half a mile away, wherever you got to go. But look at all the apartments in close proximity to verify that you can get the rent bumps that you're looking at. And finally, you want to finalize your budget and your projections. If there's anything in your underwriting where you estimated or have not verified, this is the time to do it. So once due diligence is over, the next thing you have to really worry about is obtaining financing. And typically, we will put the application for financing in as soon as we've walked through the property for the first time. If everything looks as advertised, we'll go ahead and spend the $10,000 or so it takes to put in that loan application. Now, to obtain financing, the bank is going to have certain requirements. Now, this varies by bank and by loan programs, but in general, the general partnership is going to have to have a net worth, liquidity, and experience. So at some point, you're going to have to provide that information to the bank. And typically, you, each, each person in the GP is going to turn in a personal financial statement indicating their net worth and potentially some bank statements to prove liquidity. The lender is also going to order some third-party reports. There's a property condition report, an environmental phase one report, and an appraisal that have to be done for the lender to give you the amount of money you're asking for. There's also title insurance, just like a single family home. And you're going to want to have that title search started pretty early on in the process in case they come up with something. And sometimes in order to get the title insurance done, you also have to have a land survey. Now, it is very likely that the current owner of the property had all of these documents done, all these reports done when they purchased the property you know, two, three, four, five, eight, ten years ago. So make sure you ask for them in the purchase and sale agreement because you won't have immediate access to the lender's reports. It may take them several weeks to produce these reports and give you access to them. Now, incidentally, the lender is also going to require property insurance. So start talking to your insurance rep early on in the process and make sure you have a solid quote going in. And one more thing you should put in your, in your purchase and sale agreement, ask for the current owner to provide the insurance loss runs for the property. It'll help your insurance broker or agent be able to quickly give you an accurate quote. Now, that in a nutshell is the lending. And once again, I could probably do a full hour webinar on the lending process. But next thing we're going to talk about, we're going to move on to raising the remaining funds. Okay, if you're syndicating this, you're going to have to go out to a lot of other investors and bring the money in. So first thing you need to do is have some sort of investor management tracker. This is something that you can easily build on an Excel spreadsheet. 
and it's something that we will have in our Tribe of Titans toolbox when that launches on July 1st. Incidentally, we'll also have a due diligence checklist. But back to raising the remaining funds, you want to have a clearly established timeline up front that you can communicate to your investors. When the investor packet's going to be ready, when the webinar is scheduled, and then once the webinar is scheduled, you're going to want to distribute the legal documents, the private placement memorandum, the subscription agreement, and the operating agreement. And each one of the investors is going to have to sign and return these documents to you. And if you're able to do it, make it easy for them. Use some sort of commercial software for them to be able to e-sign the documents and quickly review and return. Along with raising the funds, you're going to have to have a bank account set up or an escrow account and give the investors the wiring instructions. And from there, it's just tracking the money that comes in. Now, other than that, there's a whole host of legal documents that have to be done. And we typically just pay an attorney to do this. If you have a full service attorney, He'll be doing the PPM, the subscription agreement, the operating agreement, you know, the form D that goes to the SEC, the blue sky filings, the organization chart, entity formation, the whole nine yards, and take a lot of that off of the plate for you. Of course, it's going to cost you, and our attorney typically charges somewhere between fifteen dollars and $20,000 per transaction, but this is something that you do not want to get wrong. Now, another big step in the process is the actual closing. You're going to have to have, depending on what state, a title attorney or a title agent or an escrow agent that will handle the closing. They'll review the contract. They'll work with the lender. They'll do everything that you need to do to be able to get that deed transferred from their name to your name. And if this is your first time through, engage with these guys early and often because doing so can save you from a big headache later on down the road. Make sure you know what's expected and what the timeline is going to be. And also keep them updated with your progress, with your estimated closing date. And if for any reason there's a change to the closing date, make sure they understand this so they can have all the closing documents ready for you to sign on the right day. And be prepared to spend a little bit of money for FedEx, UPS, or some way to overnight these documents if you are not going to be local for the close. And last but not least, and this isn't technically a part of the closing, but you have to plan for the management after close. Just like there are a lot of things in the PSA and LOI that affect the closing process with timelines and everything else, what you do or don't do in the closing process will affect what happens after close. So get with your property manager, make sure they understand the business plan and you're all on the same page as what to expect after closing. So that's it for today's episode, a quick overview of contract to close. And it was a whirlwind, I understand but it should give you a couple of things that you should plan for once the ink on that purchase and sale agreement has dried. That's it for today's show. Stay tuned for Friday where we bring on Mauricio Roque and Princess Escoto in another first deal episode. And Mauricio and Princess were both featured on this podcast as aspiring investors back in January. So if you're paying attention, I'll re-release those episodes tomorrow as our Throwback Thursday episode. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast today, brought to you by Four Oaks Capital. If you'd like to know more about how to invest in apartment buildings or want to be a guest in our show, visit our website at fouroakscapital.com slash podcast or email us directly. If you're still listening, you obviously like the show, so pull out your phone, tap subscribe, and leave us a five-star rating on your favorite podcast app. And we'll see you again next week.